Love telling you about SteelDealers.com. They have over 10,000 dealerships around the country. Remember, it's spelled S-T-I-H-L, SteelDealers.com. And that's where you can find not only your local dealers, but all kinds of products, man. And they have great stuff. For instance, experience firsthand the real benefits of battery power like I have in my garage long run times, and the ability to switch between multiple tools. So check out what Steel has to offer at your local Steel dealer. Uh, Steel's a company built on real power, tools built for real people and dealers who deliver real service, and they have the product just for you no matter what the job is. It's SteelDealers.com, S-T-I-H-L, SteelDealers.com. <laughs> Tell you every week about Boyer's Coffee. Good coffee, man. Boyer's Coffee is the original, legendary Rocky Mountain roaster. They roast uh, coffee right here in Denver at altitude, and because they do that, it makes the coffee super smooth. And again, it is local, and it's uh, roasted daily, delivered fresh weekly to your local grocery store, or you can do as I frequently do, just have it uh, brought to your house. And the way you do that is get online, man. The internet, you've heard of that. Boyerscoffee.com. It's that simple. Boyerscoffee.com. They always, and I mean always, have all kinds of deals going for different flavors, for different product. Uh, so make sure you check out that website, Boyerscoffee.com. They're the proud coffee partner of the Colorado Rockies. So uh, make sure you give them uh, a shout online and have it delivered to your house as I do, or you can pick it up at your local grocery store as well. Boyerscoffee.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Altitude TV's Kyle Keefe has a Colorado Avalanche preview. The Avs got tougher, and not just with Curtis McDermott. Sample Ranta is a nasty SOB. And how some new NHL rules could benefit the Avs. There's no more, you know, put your stick into the back of anybody's back. That's two minutes. So if Nico gets it down into the corner, what are you going to do? Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts. And tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is show number 118 on the Drew Goodman Podcast. And thrilled, as always, that you're taking a little time out uh, to be with us. Hopefully, it's during a workout and you're uh, getting a little exercise in as you listen to us uh, talk about sports in general. Most of the time, specifically about baseball. We'll get to that in a moment. But a reminder that uh, each week you can catch me on the DNVR Rockies podcast with Patrick Lyons. But uh, Patrick uh, does not limit himself to just dealing with me once a week. He cranks it out uh, every day of the week. Uh, Great writing uh, as well, covering the Rockies and covering uh, every sport in our region at DNVR. So you want to download all of their podcasts. Uh, uh, in particular, the uh, the Rockies one, if you can, with uh, Patrick Lyons. All right. It is late on a Tuesday night. I just got done watching the Dodgers beat the Giants and force a game five. That should come as not a shock to anyone. These are the two best teams in all of baseball. And now, after the Dodger victory tonight in front of a sellout at Dodger Stadium, they both have won... 109 baseball games this year and somebody's going to win 110 and move on to take on the Atlanta Braves. Get to that uh, in a moment. Great series between LA and uh, San Francisco 
And I'm glad they have a day off. Everybody's going to be uh, well-rested in terms of the bullpens. I'm going to stick to my original guns. This show is going to come out Thursday morning. That ball game uh, will take place Thursday night. I said uh, I had L.A. going uh, to the World Series again in a rematch with Tampa. Kind of screwed up the American League since Boston has taken out uh, Tampa. But I'm going to stick with the Dodgers. They have a deeper bullpen, in my opinion. And I think that will get them over the hump in probably a fairly low-scoring and a one-run victory in San Francisco, kind of a, a typical San Francisco ball game. That'll come on uh, on Thursday night, but it's it's been a blast to watch, man. Every day, I I liken this a little bit to March Madness, where every well in March Madness, you know, the first weekend's great. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There, there's so many basketball games, you just can't get enough, and then obviously. It filters down toward the next weekend and then Final Four weekend. But but it's a blast. Well, October, man, every day, especially the first week and a half, there's a ball game or two or three or sometimes even four on as you whittle the field to, you know, the final two teams in the American League, final two teams in the National League, and then ultimately the World Series. But I'm enjoying the heck out of this. It's been great baseball. Uh, really across the board, uh, there have been some upsets. There have been some surprises. Boston, uh, you know, they're a hot team. They took out the Yankees in the one-game playoff. And after Tampa blew them out, basically, in game one, they won three straight. And they won that last one somewhat controversially in that there was a play that I've never seen before. And I've seen a whole lot of baseball games. I have never seen a ball bounce off a player and then go uh, over the fence. And it's a ground rule double, as we all learn. And it favored Boston because there was a runner on first who was already, that runner was going to score. He was already at third base when the ball, you know, hit off of Renfro in the outfield. It's something that they'll probably amend in the offseason and put it on the umpire's discretion to determine where the ump, where the runners. Um, would have ended up. However, guess what? We probably won't see that play again for another 30 or 40 years. And you had to have a short wall. Most of the walls are, you know, eight feet high, if not higher, and the ball wouldn't have bounced over the wall. But at that particular space in Fenway, it's a really low wall. I guess it could happen at Dodger Stadium down the lines where the uh, where the wall's also very, very short. Uh, and, and then you don't know what's going to happen because Tampa is going to take the lead. And people say, well, you know, Christian Vasquez hit a home run, a two-run homer. So that would have it still would have gone to Boston. You don't know how the rest of that inning is going to play out for Tampa. And you don't know how they're going to pitch uh, in the next inning. Uh, so it did kind of change the complexion of that ball game. But uh, a tip of the cap. Uh, to Boston for winning it. I thought Kevin Cash, I have great respect for Kevin Cash, but I thought, uh, especially with runners at second and third, it was initially first and third. The runner took off. You have Kike Hernandez at the plate, and you have one out. And to me, the winning runs at third, you have to load the bases there for two reasons. One, to set up a force all the way around, try to get an out at the plate, and then find a way out of it. And the other part of it is Kike Hernandez had nine hits in the series as he's standing in the batter's box 
trying to win the game in the bottom of the ninth. Now, I know it's right on right, and I know Rafael Devers, who had a big night, is on deck, and he's a left-handed bat, and he's a very, very accomplished hitter. He's had a great year. I understand all that. But to me, number one, you still have to load the bases. Uh, Kike Hernandez comes through with a sack fly. Here's an aside. To give you an idea of just how talented the Dodgers have been the last several years, I mentioned this at some point on the podcast and certainly on the AT&T broadcast uh, earlier this year. Remember last year when Ken Maeda and uh, Ruiz for Toronto finished second and third in the Cy Young voting in the American League in 2020? Those guys were former Dodgers. They'd let them go. And yet the Dodgers still won a, a division title, as we know, in, in 2020 and ended up winning the World Series, giving away two guys who ended up finishing second and third in the American League in the MVP, or excuse me, in the Cy Young. The reason I'm bringing that up is, I call it Ruiz, I'm sorry, Ryu. That's right. I'm getting confused with, with a couple of guys, but Ryu went to Toronto and had a terrific year. Um, the reason, uh, as I said, I'm bringing it up as I lost my train of thought is that Jock Peterson went off off the bench for Atlanta in their divisional victory over Milwaukee, former Dodger. And the other former Dodger that we've seen go off was Kike Hernandez for Boston. I mean, they're everywhere, and they just keep performing. It's really uh, remarkable how much talent uh, has run through Los Angeles over the last uh, several years. Uh, So the L.A.-San Francisco series we talked about is going to come down to uh, Game 5. As I said, I'm going to stick to my guns and take uh, L.A. I was watching earlier Houston take out the White Sox, and you got to give Dusty Baker credit. Coming out of the the turmoil and the rancor of the cheating scandal from 2017, you knew that you had to have a big-time adult in that clubhouse. And, and Dusty is a Hall of Fame manager. He's taken five teams to the postseason now, for, for goodness sake. And he was the perfect guy to uh, to take Houston first to the playoffs last year, and now he's taken them to the ALCS. And what really struck me is when they won that ball game today against the White Sox. Now they won it in blowout fashion, but there was no celebration. You wouldn't have known by how they went about their handshakes after the game that it wasn't July 25th and they beat the White Sox in a middle game of a three game set. Uh, and and it was, you know, they had another two and a half months of baseball. You'd have no idea. They just literally shook hands. There was no jumping around. There was no uh, celebration at all to indicate that this was a monumental victory closing out a series. Yet it was. They're on to the ALCS. I favored them over Boston, even though Boston's been a hot team. That is one difficult lineup uh, to navigate uh, for, you know, in this case, a seven-game series. Uh, so I'll, I'll take Houston over Boston, but I think that'll be, a, you know, a heck of a series also. How about Atlanta? They did jump around after they won their game today, and understand it. They beat Milwaukee, who struggles to score. You knew that was going to be the one issue for Milwaukee. Great pitching, pitching, great starting pitching, and then they had the 
you know, Hader on the back end. They had Devin Williams, but he punched a wall and, and was out for the playoffs. They just couldn't score. But they were in a 4-4 game. They have Hader on the hill, and up comes Freddie freaking Freeman. And the first pitch he hits or he gets from Josh Hader, left on left, this guy's as nasty as anybody in baseball the last few years. And he launches one basically over the center field wall, turns into a 5-4 Atlanta victory, and they move on. And they did jump around. And I get it because that was one hell of a victory. And what a joy to watch Freddie Freeman uh, play the game. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be in the American League of Boston. Uh, taking on Houston, and it's going to be the winner of Game 5 between Los Angeles and San Francisco in the Bay Area, taking on Atlanta. That'll be fun. All right, we're going to transition to hockey. It's that time of year. The NHL is starting up, and uh, you know I'm a big NHL fan, and in particular, you know I'm a huge Avalanche fan. And last year, the Avs provided so much excitement during the regular season. And we are spoiled, as we were, and I made this comparison uh, several times last winter. We were spoiled in the late 90s and the first part of the 21st century because the Avalanche had an embarrassment of riches in terms of their roster. And they ultimately won two Stanley Cups, as you know. They had Sackick. They had Forsberg. They had Waugh. They had Adam Foote. Uh, And the list goes on and on and on of great players, many Hall of Fame players that populated the roster back then. And though this group of Avalanche players, by and large, is still creating their legacies because they're younger, you have Nathan McKinnon, who's one of the two or three best players in the world. You have Kale McCarr, who is one of the half a dozen best players in the world. They're both on the same roster. You have Miko Rantanen. Uh, it goes on and on and on. But last year ended in a very disappointing fashion because the Avs were, for many, the favorite to win the Cup last year. And they could not get past Las Vegas. And we talked a lot about this last year. Not that this is some great revelation that you just heard here. This was um, put forth in a, in a number of different uh, places where they talk hockey, and that is, would the Avalanche be able to stand up to really physical play? Because when you have a pretty team, a team that can really skate like the Avalanche, what do teams try to do? They try to beat them up. Well, Vegas can really skate, plus they were the more physical team, and they ultimately took the Avalanche out in the second round. Tremendously disappointing. The Avalanche under Joe Sackick, believed they addressed that in the offseason. And we're going to get into that, obviously, with Kyle Keefe here coming up uh, in a moment. Uh, but I'm really excited about the beginning of this season. It's going to be a difficult early stretch, uh, but it promises to be an exciting ride. They're playing a full season, 82 games. And once again, the Avalanche find themselves as the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. We'll see how they handle uh, that pressure, and uh, hopefully it is a better result ultimately in the postseason than it was last year. So without further ado, our Ideal Home Loans Interview of the Week, good guy, talented guy, and he's been covering the avalanche forever, Kyle Keefe from Altitude Sports and Entertainment. 
All right, Kiefer, let me let me start here. Uh, how fired up are you to get going, man? It's been it's been a summer, and you watch all the other sports take place, and now it's your time. Yeah, I mean, super pumped. Now, as as we're doing this, Drew, I just left. I'm standing outside a ball arena, and I, you know, we already have the news that Coach Bednar is, you know, he's not going to be there for the night. He had to go through COVID protocol because, you know, he tested positive. Then we learned that Nathan McKinnon just tested positive. And, you know, it's weird how it's changed for me over the last year. It's not that I was surprised. Both of them are fully vaccinated. It's just the world that we live in. And so while you get that sort of first, are you, I mean, are you kidding me? There's also the realization that, I mean, how many, how many times are we going to do this in an 82 game season? So, you know, fans in the building, positive, but still in mass, uh, players traveling, uh, you know, do media through Zoom calls or, you know, six feet apart. You know, all of that is just now the world we live in. But I got to be honest, as, as excited as I was for tomorrow in Chicago, there was that sense of, oh, my God, like, okay, we're missing our head coach and our captain. What kind of energy are we going to come out with? And that is sort of my – that's my first reaction because I tend to be negative Nancy. I'm like, oh, God, is really is this happening? You know, because you want to get out and come out hot, you know, especially in October with the schedule. So I'm excited, Drew, to be back into it, but also cautious because, you know, as their favorite to win the cup again, here we go. And I hate that. So it's very kind of like, all right, just let these guys play. Let's figure it out. As long as, you know, let's not feed into the ego before we even drop the puck for the first time. So to answer your question, I'm pumped, but I'm also like, you know, cautiously, you know, awaiting what's ahead of us. Yeah. Hey, you know, to your observation, I know you've broken down the schedule, I'm sure, in your, uh, you know, in your mind and, and you and, and Mark will break it down further as, as you have opportunities on, on pre and post game shows. But I mean, out of the gate in the first seven, you're going to get St. Louis twice. You're going to get an improved Blackhawks team. You're going to get the uh, two time defending Stanley Cup champions. Oh, by the way. So it's not it's not exactly a cakewalk the first two weeks. Oh, God. I mean, it's, it's so funny because I know you do the same thing. You get the schedule, and you you got to get everybody away from you. You know, you put on your readers, grab a beer or wine or whatever. You sit down, and you go, okay, now how's my life going to unfold? I'm sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, okay, Chicago opening night. And I go back and go, oh, wait, they just signed Mark andre Fleury. Oh, crap, they just signed Seth Jones. And Johnny Taves is back from, you know, his year-long absence. They got a whole lot better. And then you get the Blues, which, you know, since they lost Petriangelo, they're a different team, but they're mean and tough, and you get them on Pierre Lacroix night, and then you go on the road and you get Ovechkin and the boys in Washington, tough place to play in. And then, in my mind, Drew, the, the, the series of the year last year in the playoffs between Florida and Tampa Bay, the most physical series by far in the playoffs, you get those guys uh, right out of the gate for the first road trip. And so it's like, if you can go... 500, if you could go, you know, four and three in those first seven games, that's a, that's positive. I mean, that's good. They didn't do them any favors, certainly. So, yeah, it's it's exciting. But now, you know, with McKinney, how long is he going to be out? You know, Kadri steps up into that, that that center position between Miko and Landy, and how does that jam work between them? But it's, the scheduling got did him no favors. Yeah, no, no question. Speaking of physical, I think it was pretty clear. 
Uh, I'll go back to before the Stanley Cup playoffs even began last year. It, it was a pretty simple game plan, you would think, for anyone that was taking on the Avs who have you know world-class skating ability, led obviously uh, by McKinnon, that you're going to have to muck it up. They're going to be physical. They're going to be you know be borderline on the edge of you know like we see. Uh, of Stanley Cup caliber uh, teams bringing that physicality, and that was their undoing. So it seemed very clear that Joe Sackick said, we're going to address that this offseason. Is that what you saw? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I'm just, as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, what Tampa Bay do? We now got Pat Maroon. Okay, now he's got like five, I don't know, four Stanley Cups. You know, he's got Cernak. they got two big boys on the back end. they got all that talent up front. So, you know, going out and getting Curtis McDermott is, is, number one, it says you are not going to push 29 rounds. We're not going to have uh, 92, you know, having to fight uh, guys in the playoffs, in game one of the playoffs. He's not got to stick up for Camel Carr if he gets run into the board. So Curtis McDermott takes care of that. Scott Parker, Cody McLeod sort of role. And this guy is a giant. I, when I met him, I, I'm telling you, I – I didn't think it was him because I didn't think that, that that this guy wasn't a football player. I literally was like, he's you know he's six five, six six, two whatever, forty five, fifty five pounds, and he's not friendly. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but he's not going to pull you away with like personality. He was like, "How you doing? Good. I'm here. I'm all about business." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, I get that. I this guy's a enforcer, but you know, so it's good to have him." I think part of the reason they signed Jack Johnson was just because he is a big, thick body. And he's a veteran. He's been around. They signed him to a one-year, $1 million deal. So not a whole lot of strings attached. Let's see if it works out. You know, Devontae's bigger sort of guy on the back end. Then you get a healthy EJ, you know, and he's great in the locker room. The boys love him. You know, he's, he's the guy that's, you know, on night offs there. He's arranging dinners, and he's the one screwing around in the locker room. So he keeps everything light, but... He, I mean, he was razzle dazzle through the through the preseason. He looked great, skating great. Um, so yeah, I think from a physicality standpoint, I forgot Ryan Murray as well. They addressed that. And I'll tell you the other thing, Drew. Sampo Ranta is a nasty SOB. He is. Uh, he's got the ability to get greasy, gritty sort of guy in the corners. He's not afraid to shoot the puck. So I think they did address that. But it's also about, okay, when you get to the postseason, how do you execute? Because you're going to have to adapt. You can't always be, you know, flying high and where's the speed team. You know, you play a St. Louis or a Vegas, there's going to have to be some luck and grind. And then I think they've learned their lesson the last two years, three years, even with San Jose when Dave was, you know, they said he was over the blue line. So there's a different style in the playoffs, but I think Hero did a nice job of addressing. Yeah, you know what's funny? You mentioned uh, that uh... – McDermott was kind of straightforward with you. When I used to cover the Avalanche and was and was doing your role years and years ago, the the pre and post game and, and between period stuff, all the enforcer guys were the nicest guys in the room, except the last guy you ever wanted to mess with on the ice. But this this dude's a little different, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's, and I, you know, he doesn't know me, and I don't know him. But my, you know, sort of how I've stuck around for so long in this. Uh, with KSE and in this business is because I, I I tend to I'm better with the guys away from the rink. I, you know, if I can have a relationship, a genuine one, not you know, nothing phony or anything like that, but if I can, you know, have a relationship and a respectful one that 
you can get more out of them. Now, that being said, uh, I'm not obviously there with McDermott, but he seems like a guy that takes it pretty seriously. Kind of like 55, like Cody McLeod. You know, we were best buddies off the ice, and he's a total psycho on the ice, off the ice, and he's a nutbag. I mean, he, I'll tell you this, Drew. Every year I'd go to Binscar's uh, Manitoba so he'd have his, his golf tournament, and, you know, it's on this lake, and he would – they drive their carts at night, these golf carts, to this little nine-hole golf course. And, you know, it's and there's no roads. It's back country. It's scary as hell. You know, you're thinking you're going to hear it up there and there and there and there. Um, so it's just scary to begin with. But at one point, one of his, you know, real good neighbor buddies, you know, did something to him. And he was mad. Before you know it, it's a full-on fight. I mean, it's a full-on fight. And he's got this guy down on the ground, and, you know, they're not punching, but, you know, Cody is, you know, he's born and bred to, to be a physical guy, and, and I was like, oh, my God, he's the same on the ice as he is here in Pittsburgh, Manitoba. So they're just a different breed, but God bless uh, Joe for picking up McDermott because we need him. Yeah, no, there's no question. Uh, you know, that was plenty obvious in the Vegas series, clearly. All right, the, the biggest question um, going into this season, in addition to the one that you just addressed, was the change in, in goaltenders. You know, Gruby, uh, really good. I mean, he was a Vesna Trophy finalist last year, and he's now in Seattle with the Kraken. Darcy Kemper comes aboard, much, much bigger goaltender, dealt with injuries not only last year but throughout his career. How do you view the change in your number one goaltender? Well, first, I, I – and. Uh, Drew Bauer was fantastic for us last year, but I will say this. In games three, four, five, and six, he, he was not. He, he just he, he, he didn't have it, he didn't have the right stop. And, you know, the, that part was pretty apparent. I don't know if you remember, Drew, but it was either game three or four. Uh, Drew Bauer got caught looking to the right, and almost like he thought the puck was going to go along the board, but he completely left the net. And one of their defensemen, I don't know that they – has a goal in the history of the playoffs, just threw the puck on the ice into the net. And it was, right. it was mind-boggling. Like, where where are you mentally? So, you know, we all have mental lapses, but that just ended up being a big one. And, you know, they peppered him pretty good. And so he was coming up on a, a pretty salty contract. He was going to make five or six million. And knowing that you had to sign McCarr, you had to sign Landeskog, and you right around the corner, guess what you got? You got McKenna. So it was pretty apparent that if, if Groovy wanted to get paid that he wasn't going to be here in Colorado. So in comes Darcy Kemper. And speaking of personality, you know, I was just talking about Macker and those guys. When I met this guy for the first time, oh, I mean, goalies are notorious, you know, weirdos. I mean, they're they're a different breed, right? You've you spoken with enough of them to be like, okay, can't talk to them on game day. They sort of stay by themselves. He's completely opposite. He's got a shitting grin, you know, ear to ear. He's, he's uh, you know, totally personable, laughs at everything, uh, super, you know, upfront and, uh, you know, asking you questions, what do you do and how do you do it and how long have you been here? It's just like, wow. So I think the expectations are high. And just listening to Joe talk about him, you know, he says he's one of the top goalies in the league. In fact, if you, you know, you do your, your homework on, on Twitter or NHL, websites, whatever, you know, he's top three to, to win the Vezina, and he hasn't even played a game. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, clearly the Avalanche are going to be much better in front of Kemper than the Coyotes were, and, and that's you know that that's a given. And, and now it's keeping them on the ice for fifty-five to sixty plus, and and then figuring out what happens you know behind him, which is I, listen, it is. I need not tell you, man. It's so key the number two, um, and, and now you have. Again, the uncertainty, unfortunately, with who that person will be and, and injuries, et cetera. Well, and the good news about Frankie, talking about Francois, is sure. uh, Joe just, I mean, just, you know, just said it. I mean, he just said it's a sprained ankle. So the great news is, is it's not a knee. It's not, uh, you know, that hip flexor. It's not the growing. And if you watched him go down, it was sort of like, is that a cramp? Did he blow an ACL? That was so awkward, yet he finished the play and then kind of skated off on his own accord. So the good news is it's a brain ankle. You know, if he misses 10 games, that would be that would be probably max. But Frankie is the number two, and, you know, Jonas Johansson is, is the number three. But like I said, they're going to ride temper. I'd be shocked if he doesn't play nine in the first ten games. I mean, they weren't getting him in and involved. That's the reason they went out and got him. So, you know, if you can, if you can, you know, get him through those first ten, Frankie comes back healthy. You know, then you're set. And don't forget, I think Frankie's uh, his career numbers are twenty-one and nine, and a lot of people. Good. Like, yeah, yeah. that's that, that's good. And, and again, he's he's got that sort of Craig Billington. You know, Bill, you were there when, when Biller was there, and he's you know, a short guy, quiet, unassuming, but he gets the job done, and the boys in the locker room love it. More with the host of the Avalanche's coverage on Altitude Sports and Entertainment, Kyle Keith, in a moment. But uh, first, this uh, for my friends at Ideal Home Loans. Give them a call if you're buying a new home, if you're looking to refinance, or if you have a project around the house and you're trying to come up with some extra funds, aren't we all? Give them a call at 303-867-7000. They're going to solve your problems. They're going to give you great advice. And in all likelihood, they're going to do as they've done for me on several occasions. They're going to save you money and potentially lots of it. Again, the phone number is 303-867-7000. They're working on their third decade of doing business here in Colorado. They've expanded to Arizona. Brett Ivinson's team is widely celebrated for uh, their diligence um, for their work in the industry. And uh, that's why they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. It doesn't get better than that. 303-867-7000. Ideal home loans. As I said, I've used them, so I've been a customer on several occasions. I have sent numerous friends to them, and they keep having repeat business because they take good care of people. Once again, that phone number, 303-867-7000. It's Ideal Home Loans. Divorce is not fun. Difficult time, emotional time, uncertain time. Been there. You need guidance. You need counsel. You need accurate information and great professionalism and understanding. And you'll find it without question at one of the top family law firms in the region in Cox, Baker and Page. That's Cox, Baker and Page. They've been recognized in a number of publications for their excellent work in the area of family law. They're compassionate and thorough in guiding you through a tumultuous period. Their work has been routinely recognized for its excellence. U.S. News and World Report, for instance, consistently award Laura Page and Mary Cox Best Lawyer Distinctions. 
If you or someone you know is looking for counsel, reach them at coxbakerandpage.com. That's coxbakerandpage.com. Mention you heard it from me and receive a discount on your initial consultation. Now more with Kyle Keefe. Hey, can it be overstated, Kyle, how important it was that, that Joe was able to work something out and bring Landeskog back? No, it can't. And, you know, I, it, you know, I, I was super emotional about that. And I, that, that's the hardest part about my job. Is, you, I'm, a, I'm a mega fan, right? I mean, I love this team more than just about anything. And, but I also understand, you know, the, you know, the, financial side of it, how tough it is when, you know, the market says this and, you know, what, what's, what's it comparable to? And, and the hard thing with Gabe is you can't understand how important he is. And I'm sure there's other captains like this, maybe not in hockey, but in other sports, how important he is to that room because he keeps everybody in check. And when you've got different personalities and superstars and guys that don't know their role, Gabe is one of those guys that will keep everybody in line. Nobody has assigned seats. Nobody is unfair to anybody. I know it sounds like it's grade school, but it's not. And he's so important to that room and to the media. And as a rep, you know, representing, you know, the Burgundy and Blue, he was there for the 48 point season. He was the guy standing in front of all of us, taking those questions, be getting brutally beaten every night. By what's wrong? What's what's going on with this team? And, you know, he was there during the the whole Duchesne ordeal when he got traded, and so he earned a lot of that money, not just for what he does on the ice, but what he does in that room. And dude, I don't know if you know this, but I married Landy. I mean, I I was his uh, what do they call those aficionados? Yeah, I married him in uh, in California, and it, it's I mean, you want to talk about a star-studded wedding. <laughs> you get married and you're just looking out into the crowd and you're like, okay, MVP, Calder, five times, seven times, seven. It was, it was crazy. So, you know, I have a good re- relationship with Gabe and the night that he signed his deal, I talked to him and he's just, uh, you know, I couldn't be happier for him and Melissa. And, you know, they got the little boy down and, of course, they got their little girl. So, you know, he's going to be the longest tenured captain uh, in Avalanche history, he's going to finish his career here, and I think it's great. I, I think it's awesome, and and I don't, you know, you're you're obviously you're very very close with him. Um, I, I don't know him. I look forward to uh, to to meeting him at some point. I met him briefly once. He was at a he was at a Rockies game around batting practice or something a couple years ago. But I said this on on one of my podcasts last year, Kyle. I. And you have to understand, you know, originally, I'm originally from New York and a Ranger guy growing up. I equate his presence to Mark Messier and, and, the, and the Rangers in 94. Um, it's just different. He, for me, Kyle, one round one, three minutes into round one when he yes. dropped, his glo- dropped the gloves and goes, let's go. We're, we're, this is going to be a different deal. I mean, you just made, I mean, it's freezing out here, but you just made the hair of my arm stand up. I mean, that you're, you couldn't be more right. I thought, I thought that was the moment we won the Stanley Cup. I thought it was on. But they, they had no chance after that fight. Um, and look, James Horace is not, you know, he, he's no jump team. I mean, it was a, 
it was a, a serious fight. It came at the right moment, and that's why they, I think that's why they swept St. Mark and Huntington around and pushed around. Um, and they had all momentum going to game two. But that's what Landy does. He does things at the right time, the right moment. And the other thing, just real quick, he is not afraid to stand there in the crease, power play, five on five, whatever, and pull out the Harry Potter magic wand and just hit those pucks. I mean, Gil Pawlowski, uh is is a wizard himself, but Landy makes a living in that crease, and he's not given enough credit for you know sitting in there, taking the shots, and then being able to deflect those pucks. So you know the goaltender can't see it, but you know I think a quarter, if not you know. 40% of his goals come from just parking right in front of the goaltenders. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to have him here. Um, I, I thought it was a strong move by Joe to just get the deal done. But you, you, you described yourself earlier as a nervous Nelly as a fan. Cause I can put my fan, I can put my fan hat on when I watch you and, and Rycroft every night and, and Moj and Maxi and, you know, I'm just a fan and I was nervous as shit that somehow Landis God was gonna, was gonna have to leave town and, and so, uh, I'm thrilled like you are that he's back. Hey, uh, from an individual standpoint, like we're talking about Landy, Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, uh, these guys are different, man, and I I don't know if if people fully realize. I think hardcore Avs fans do, but but maybe casual fans fully realize how great a talent Nathan McKinnon is. Yeah, so have you ever seen like a like a cheetah chasing a like a jackalope or yeah, like or whatever? right? Are they going to catch him? No, are they going to catch him? Well, there's so many more steps, right? Like the cheetah has that big, long stride, and the jackal just Nathan McKinnon will take four strides in your two, and that's why you see him turn guys around so quickly, especially through the neutral zone. You know, the infamous "oh boy" with uh, Pietrangelo on you know, Lechado. You know, he saw him coming. I mean, he had you know 25 feet to prepare for it and couldn't. And McKinnon blew right around him and goes top. Top shelf, and it's one. And it's he has the ability to um, create so much space for other players. And what I mean by that is, Miko's a great hockey player. I'm not, I mean, he, I, in my opinion, I guess I should say this right. I think, I think that line, if they stay healthy, can get 300 points. I'm talking about Kevin 110, Miko 100, Landis Gog 90. That's the goal is to be part of the 300 club. But McKinnon creates so much space for McCarr, who's on the point, for Miko, who's on the weak side, and Gabe that's behind the back net because everybody's going, okay, where's 29? Where's 29? He's got that old Vetchkin sort of release, but it's boom, it's in the back of the net. And it, you know, it opens up other opportunities for these guys. So it's just not what, it's not just the skating or the stick handling, which he's constantly practicing. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to watch him do the same drills over and over and over again, but he, but he gets better. He's doing them quicker. He's doing them faster. And obviously his whole diet thing that we all read on Twitter this year, you know, he's, just, he's a freak of nature. He's, he was born and bred to be a hockey player, and he's made the most of it. Yeah, when he when he slides it across to the top of the circle to Rantanen, because Rantanen, for me, has one of the three best one-timers in hockey. I mean, that's a thing of beauty. Beauty. He, so I hugged him immediately. Then. You know, you know, I I kind of go back and forth with him a little during the summer, but you know, it's not a different time. You know, I don't even know what time it is over in Finland, but whatever. And so when I saw him, big old, you know, give me a big old hug. 
I swear to God, I was hugging Ivan Drago. I mean, he is so yoked up, and I'm not, I'm not, and I don't mean like, you know, he's not like a big old football player. There's just, there's muscles growing out of everyone. He must have put on 15 pounds of muscle and taken off, you know, he's probably got 6% body fat anyway, but he's gotten bigger. And you know the other thing? I don't know if you know this, but the cross check, that's, there, there's no more, you know, stick your, you know, you know, put your stick into the back of anybody's back. That's two minutes. So if Miko gets it down into the corner, what are you going to do? Yeah. What's going to happen? I mean, it's, it's you know these big guys are going to have a serious advantage. Guys like Dwight Idols, uh, you know, Ranton, even Landeskog are going to have a big advantage. Miko, I think, is going to have a a, a a blowout year. I think this year will be a real coming out party yeah. for him. You know what? Um, two two quick ones for you. Well, where do you see the Avalanche if if you have concerns? We talked about how they addressed the physicality in the offseason. Where, where do your concerns lie to take that next step that many obviously thought they were going to take a year ago, you know, just a few months ago in the spring? So I know it was disappointing to get eliminated when they did because they had a team they thought that could be the last one standing. Um, what stands in their way this year? What are your concerns? I, I, I mean, I have three, and I'm kind of backpedaling on one. But, you know, as much as I want to pump up Darcy Kemper's tire. He's got to be great. Kemper has to be good. The injury, you got to stay healthy. Even if you can play 70 games, if your big studs can play 70 games, uh, you know, you're good. And the last one I think is probably the biggest one is, you know, the not, you know, being able to not read your own news. And that means, you know, when guys are, when you're rolling and you've won nine to 10, I know they always use that sort of hockey cliche, even keel, but don't read the news. If it, if you, if you're terrible, you know, don't, you know, Bednar needs to be fired or Landis Scott's a terrible captain or maybe Nate's going to want to be traded. You know, you can't read the news. And so it's one of those things where I think that they were so confident they'd swept St. Louis and they'd gone up two games on, on Vegas that they maybe for a moment they thought they were in, invincible and they became, you know, they became open to mistakes. And it was more of a, just a trickle-down effect, and they were exposed. So, you know, if you go through San Jose, what they did with them, and you go through what they did with uh, last year with Vegas and, and the year before that, another second-round exit, it's the lesson's been learned. And, you know, that you, you know, for EJ, this is probably his last shot at a thing like this. So this is stay away from the news, injuries, and if you can get – Good rock solid goaltending for Kemper. I, I think they can, you know, they can get themselves to the final, and then we'll see from there if it's Tampa, Pittsburgh, Boston, Washington, whoever it is. But you know, they're they're favored for a reason. Now it's just a matter of executing it. And I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you about your partners in crime, uh, you know, pre and post game because. Uh, you guys genuinely have fun, and and you know we're, we're, we can talk shop here for a moment. You you can tell on the air when you do this when when people genuinely like each other. I hope it comes across because I feel that way about you know Jeff Hewson and Ryan Spielborgs and Sully and Jenny and and, and Mark. Uh, so we we have a great group, and I, and hopefully it comes across. We needle each other and, and so on. But that's what I feel when I'm watching you and Rycroft when when. Lyles goes, you know, we, we got to see the guy's like half in the bag by the time the, the 
game's over because he's just sitting in that wine room of his, which I'm going to go visit. I told John Michael and I have tried to hook up a couple times up in Vail, but uh, I got to go see that, that, that wine room. But anyhow, you got, you guys have a lot of fun and that, that, that permeates the screen into people's living rooms. Well, and let me also just say this, like, say I'm watching you guys, you know, and it's a, it's a one o'clock game and it's, here in Denver, uh, we're kind of watching, and you know the way that you guys have the ability to weave in and out of you know, you know you're not leaving baseball, but you can carry a story maybe through a batter, maybe through two, and then you can revisit. Maybe it comes full circle in the seventh inning. And as a viewer, you know as much as you may or may love baseball, you you want that. You want to have some sort of attachment with you or with Huey or Jenny or whoever it is. You, you you feel like you know them, and and that is you can't make it up. You, you you know you can't just jump into a broadcast and create that. You guys have done that over time, and and that's why people love to watch and listen to you is because you guys create the stories. You know, take a good look. You won't see it for long. I mean, everybody knows what they're going to get from a Rockies broadcast, and I think maybe we have stolen a little bit of that, which is. I respect who you guys are. You guys are the players, right? I'm not going to tell you you're right or you're wrong. My job is to sort of police things and make sure that we get the break and do the sponsor reads and all that. But what happens is, you know, that respect can turn into, you know, a, like a sort of reality. I can I can poke fun at either one of those guys and know full well that they understand what, what I'm saying, why I'm saying it, and they can give it back to me. And as you said, it is really genuine. And, you know, Riker is um, he's the most unprepared broadcast in the history of sports. <laughs> but it's beautiful because he understands the game. He's a great teacher of the game. He knows that his role, while limited in the National Hockey League, um, he, he understands the game. And so he's not afraid to sort of push it a little bit. You know, sometimes he... He's, you know, he'll be doing something like, oh, God, you're going to hear it from whatever player. Or, you know, he, he'll expose some mistakes, but he also does it with, uh, you know, this playfulness. And Johnny, you know, he's got the blue eyes, and all the girls are yada, yada, yada. I love this guy. And, you know, but it's, he's, he, he's, he's made this sort of niche where one night we just said, hey, you should just have a glass of wine. And he's like, I will. And we didn't ask anybody's permission, and we did, and then we did it the next game, and then we said we should call this something. And so we did, and I swear to you, it was like the 15th game group, Josh Cronkey sent him some wine. And so we were like, Is that right? We're in. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think we're, and then it's so funny to read the comments, they're like, have you guys seen what's going on in Colorado? There's this dude basically getting drunk on TV, and it's just, it's funny and it's become its own thing, but yeah, we have, we have fun, man. Uh, I'll tell you what, you do have fun. It, it is awesome, um, I, and that's the biggest stamp of approval when uh, when when the owner sends you uh, <laughs> sends you some good wine. And I'm, and I'm sure it wasn't the stuff that you and I you and I are typically drinking. Trust me, it wasn't the screaming eagle. I asked. I said, "You <laughs> screaming eagle? We got issues." But it wasn't. You know, it wasn't box wine that I drink. But yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah, you know, okay. Yeah, and make sure, by the way, you haven't gone shopping with uh, Riker in the off season. You don't go suit shopping with that oh, man. God. Well, have you seen? Uh, when's the last time you saw him? Was it 
during hockey season? Yeah, it was during hockey season. Oh, well, it's just so bad. You know, he's going bald. I mean, we're both going bald, right? I mean, it's, the writing's on the wall. It's just- hey, been there. It's the greatest thing in the world, man. You tried all your combs and brushes. You can shake your head. Kiefer, shake your head like a dog when you get out of the shower. You're ready to go. <laughs> I know. But see, you look good. Like, I'm, you know, I got used to yours, like, you know, maybe it took me two games. I'm like, okay, this just looks more natural. He looks good. Riker is holding on to, I mean, I'm not kidding when I say Al McKinnis. Or not Al McKinnis. What's that guy's name? Oh, my God, I'm going to forget. Anyway, the worst mullet. And he's got this huge gap on top. And then the, the back end is like a, like what a bird would collect to make a, a nest. It's dead, stringy hair. And, you know, he just owns it and loves it. And, uh, you know, the suits to go, uh, I don't even know what's going on. I mean, thank God he's good. The words that come out of his mouth are good because the look is questionable. It's fun, but that, it fits, man. He's a character. It, 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 all, it all works together. It all, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those things, Kyle, you know, this. like, we'll be in another, you know, city and we're catching what, you know, the pregame show, it doesn't matter what the sport is. And you're like, boy, that's a little different. And then you read, you know, weeks later, how popular that group is. And you're like, okay, I, I probably, it's probably, you know, you know, I have to watch it a couple of times and realize, man, it's funny as shit and they're different and whatever. And listen, Win, lose, or draw. I watch you guys pre and post, and I, and I hang in there, and um, it, it is really, really enjoyable. And I'm not just blowing smoke; uh, it's it, it's fun, and uh, I look forward to. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get down uh, certainly more this year, but I look forward to uh, to seeing you guys, and hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, we can we can all see that cup raised for a third time here. Yeah, hundred percent. And if you are coming on uh, Saturday, through you know. There's going to be some, there'll be some special people that are there. And I, that's about the most I can say, but right. I, they, certainly that you'll, that you'll remember. And, uh, you know, text me when you're, when you're there. Absolutely. I'll, I'll get there early. My, my middle son, who's a college baseball player, is in for a few days. And one of the reasons is he, he actually plays baseball in, in St. Louis. So, um, he, he goes when, when you guys are out there, he goes and, and Johnny takes care of him. But, um, we're, we're all heading down. He is so pumped up. So, uh, we'll, we'll get there early. I'll give you a shout. I don't want to get in the way though. No, I, I, I love seeing you. And you and I have, uh, you know, I have the, I have mad respect for you and the career that you've had. And, uh, I love everything that you do. And, um, you know, always all the best to you. And you, you know, my number and anytime that I can, Help out any of the good ones. You just give me a shower. Kiefer, I pray uh, back at you a hundred percent. Um, and, uh, I appreciate the time. Go get warm, man. And, uh, good luck tomorrow night as you guys get rolling. All right. Thanks, Drew. Go ahead. I'm probably like all of you. I mean, if you're a hockey fan, if you're an abs fan, you, you watch Kyle's pregame show and, uh, you watch how much fun those guys have, uh, pre and post game. You got three characters, three guys that love the abs, love hockey. They teach hockey well, but they keep it light. They keep it uh, entertaining. So uh, big fans of uh, of Keith and and Rycroft and uh, 
John Michael Lyles, and it uh, gets rolling this week. So, again, big thanks to Kyle Keefe. Uh, we'll get him on again uh, as this season uh, progresses. Before we check on out this week, I want to do a little bit on football. Watch that Alabama game. What a great weekend college football, man. There were so many good games. Texas blowing that lead against Oklahoma was back and forth in the Red River battle. That was a great one. Um, Bama and A&M, that was a tremendous game. And A&M, A&M, which struggled so mightily against Colorado, and we know how things have gone off the rails for Colorado. A&M was going up and down the field against Alabama. The first thing I said, though, at the conclusion of that game, when A&M won it with the field goal, is I said, you know what? Alabama will still be there in the end. They will. I still say, if you ask me now, who's going to win the national championship? And the cool thing, it's more wide open than it's been in years. You can't singularly say, well, it's Alabama or it's Clemson or it's one of the two or it's Ohio State. You have no idea. I'm still going to put my chips on Nick Saban in Alabama. And that was the first thing, as I said, that I I noted uh, after that game was over uh, to the person I was watching it with. But uh, great college football weekend. Hey, you know what? Up in Fort Collins, and I was very critical of them after the loss to South Dakota State and then the how they blew the game at home against Vanderbilt. And you're thinking it's just a train wreck. That's what I was thinking. And I, I'm still disappointed because I believe that they did not take advantage of that new stadium and the recruiting that they were doing under Mike Bobo at the time. But I also was critical of, of, of Mike Bobo's teams in that I loved the talent he had. And I was a fan of Mike. He's a good man. Uh, but they were a pretty team that was not a physical team. And Steve Adazio was hired I think the, one of the main reasons he got the job is he has a reputation for being a, a, a tough-minded coach. In other words, they were going to be physical. They were going to run the football, run to the ball defensively. And the last couple of weeks, last three weeks, that's what we've seen from Colorado State. Uh, the, the upset at Toledo, good team out of the MAC. The near upset against now a top-five team in Iowa. I mean, that was legit. That wasn't fluky. I mean, they gave Iowa all they wanted. They were winning the football game in the third quarter. And then they took apart San Jose State, the team that won the Mountain West last year. This isn't San Jose State from a few years ago where you say, you know, they're terrible. This pretty good football program all of a sudden. And and they dismantled them. They were physical. Uh, They ran the ball hard. Todd Santeo was super accurate, more accurate than I've ever seen him before. And, uh, you know, so they deserve credit. They deserve credit uh, for the way they played. Colorado obviously was idle this week. Uh, They better beat Arizona this weekend. Arizona hasn't won a football game since, like, the Roosevelt administration. They have to to get in in the win column this week. That'll do it for this edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. Again, we thank you for joining us. Uh, tell your friends. Uh, make sure they're downloading uh, this one and also the DNVR Rockies uh, podcast. We'll do it again next week. Uh, hope you enjoyed Kyle Keefe. And uh, we got a lot of great things going on. Postseason baseball, hockey starting up. We're in the middle of the college football season, middle of the NFL season. Uh, so it's uh, it's all good right now. Talk to you next week, everybody. Stay safe, stay well. 